1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about using influencers to grow your business. Joining us is David Morneau, who is the co-founder of the InBeat Agency, which is a micro-influencer agency that helps you discover thousands of micro-influencers across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to build awareness, drive sales, and create content. So far this week, Dave and I have talked about how to grow D2C brands using micro-influencers. And yesterday, we talked about crowdsourcing content to fuel your social growth. Today, we're going to wrap up our conversation talking about influencer seeding, your untapped marketing strategy. All right, here's the last part of my conversation with David Morneau, the co-founder of the InBeat Agency. David, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here again.
1: Always happy to chat. Good to have you back to talk a little bit more about influencers and growing your social and D2C brands. So far this week, we've talked about how to use micro-influencers, non-professional content creators who are monetizing their social content to basically not only advertise your product, but also to help create content for you. And a big portion of this is finding the right influencers and and people that are creating good content have a social following and can represent your brand in a positive way. So, David, when you're thinking about finding the right influencers, obviously there's a challenge of some people are too big and are asking for compensation or make you go through an agency. And then there's this sort of sweet spot with micro influencers, but you know, at some point you're going to run out of the level of scales for this sort of not yet professional, but very good type of content creator. What do you do when you're looking for influencers and you can't find the micro influencers?
2: So essentially, this opens the door really well to what we call nano-influencers.
1: Mini-influencers.
2: Yeah. But the tagline is essentially, you are an influencer, right? Anyone is an influencer. So if we look at that under that light, it's just the people that have a very low following are not doing this professionally at all. And usually can get away with these influencers with product seeding, meaning that you can get them free product and they'll post and The best way to go with this is essentially to uh, give product to these influencers with a no string attached model. So you don't want to go in there and say, Hey, we want to post on a story. You want to go in there and say, Hey, look, we're going to give you free product. If you want to post on social, then do it. And that's kind of like the give first, ask later approach where, you know, down the line, we can say, Hey, did you like the product? If so, you know, feel free to post on your social media and so forth. So very interesting approach to scale your approach significantly because Your cost here is essentially product. Product has usually, that's your cost of good. And the rest is just getting, managing and onboarding these influencers at scale. What's super interesting about these smaller creators that you don't get as much with micro influencers is that they are, um, there's an arbitrage opportunity. And what I mean by that is that a lot of them haven't collaborated with any brands or have collaborated with just a handful of brands compared to other influencers, where you're going to get people that collaborated with three brands in the last week. So the level of trust is diminished there. So these micro-nano-influencers, rather, are very interesting on that front.
1: So there is a third flavor of influencers. I feel like we're at Starbucks and I was like, I don't want the Vente, I don't want the (laughs) karate. What's the other one? They're tall influencers. Basically, these are people that are not necessarily monetizing the social content they've been creating, right? They're either just getting started or they're just regular people who haven't thought about using social media to make money. And you're able to go to them and say, hey, can I give you some product? See if you like it. Will you post about it if you like it? And you're basically doing product sampling with the hope of creating social media content. How do you figure out who's going to be good? How do you figure out if these people have enough reach? Walk me through how these campaigns work.
2: So works really well for products that have a cost of good let's say $20 to $30, $40 works amazingly well in that price range, retail value of 100-ish. And then you just play a numbers game here. You ship, you ship, you ship, and then you retain the top ones and you keep an ongoing relationship with these people. Of course, you know, here's our bench line for this, right? We look at it from a very quantitative approach where we'll look, okay, is the engagement rate good? Is the follower, have they posted in the last week? There's a couple of things that we'll check like that. And then after that, it's like, is their content decent is what we're looking for here. Like, how many followers do you have on your personal Instagram?
1: Let's see. I've got 527 people following me.
2: There you go. And how many times have you done a paid collaboration in the past? zero exactly and who are these people people that trust you right
1: maybe mostly family members
2: exactly so they trust you so there's a couple dynamics at play here you would not post a product that you don't absolutely believe about right you probably might not even want to post about a product because you're like why would i even post a product to my followers and you would just not respond to our email or our dm for that matter right you would just disappear and go away but if you do, right, then it becomes an untapped opportunity. These are people that have trust in you to a certain extent, right? We'd hope to believe that your family trusts you. And then you would be able to essentially get access to that audience, which has seen you do exactly zero promoted posts.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. The irony is the, I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed now and looking for products, and there is an Apple Watch band that i created a post about. There is uh, basically the rest of it's booze. <laughs> a bottle of bourbon that I saved for a couple of years, and every time I open a nice bottle of wine, I share that. And I have no idea why I do that, but alcohol and men's fashion accessories are pretty much the only thing that I post about, other than my family and home life.
2: So if I was a boost company, or if I was an accessories company, then you could be an interesting candidate for us to work with, right? And you could get free product, you'd be happy, and we could get access to your social media following.
1: So why have no brands reached out to me? Is this an undertapped market?
2: Yeah, it is definitely undertapped. And you're under that 1000 threshold, which is probably where people consider a nano influencer. I'd assume that if you have 1000 followers, you'd probably get some people reaching out to you by the way, we should have mentioned this the first time we talked around, but these influencer things only work if you've got brand figured out. And what I mean by that, if you have a shady looking brand, you look like a dropshipping website, whatever, right? People are not going to react well to your outreach. they are not going to react well to your collaborations. They're going to charge you extravagant sums of money and your strategy is just not going to stick. So that's something I wanted to add in there because it's very important because these strategies, you can see it all the time on Instagram. People are like, hey, love your content, DM me for a collab, right? I don't know if you've seen these things on Instagram. I don't know how much time you spend on Instagram.
1: I mean, I've seen people post about it. Honestly, the only time that ever happens is when I post photos of my kids. And sometimes they're kids' clothing brands. Exactly. That are saying, DM me. And I'm like, I'm not giving you pictures of my kids. Bug off.
2: Exactly. But if you look at the brands, usually these brands are non-legitimate. So they're really usually shady looking brands that you would not even trust. And then you talk to them and the deals that they put in place are like, hey, you know, we give you the product for free, but you only have to pay for shipping. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of black ish stuff going on like that.
1: So it's hard to find legitimacy when you're using nano influencers, mostly because the influencers can't tell if you are actually trying to offer value or services. So talk to me about the outreach to show people that your products or services are actually legitimate for them to talk about.
2: It's all about social proof decent amount of following on Instagram, a website that makes sense. These are the two things people are going to look on, especially if you're in the Instagram ecosystem. It's like, okay, well, how many following do you have on Instagram? Oh, you have 20,000. That's pretty legit. Oh, you have 180,000. That's really legit. That's really the factor that's going to differentiate you. The number of followers you have in terms of trust building on Instagram, as stupid as it sounds that followers are the metric of trust, but that's what people are going to be using on Instagram.
1: As I continue to scroll through my Instagram feed, I realize that I have 97 bottles of booze and wine being promoted and nothing else that would be a product. I'm starting to think that I have a problem.
2: Well, you know, add a couple accessory pictures in there, left and right,
1: <laughs> dilute it. <laughs> you can't dilute booze, it just doesn't work as well as you think it would. All right, last question I have for you If you're starting to think about using macro, micro, and influencers, who are the brands that should be prioritizing which type of influencers?
2: So macro influencers, especially on TikTok right now, work really well if you look at them from a CPM basis and your product is visually pleasing in the sense that it can be displayed in video really well. And that's really important. If your product is boring, watch band is probably not going to cut it for TikTok on a CPM basis. But if you have one of those new fresh looking DTC brand, then it works amazingly well. Micro-influencers, pretty much anybody in need of content or in need of just creating kind of a network of people that are just going to power your social media teams. And nano-influencers is any brand looking to tap into a new market opportunity that has a cost of good between, I'd say, 20 and $40 is the sweet spot high perceived value from the influencers part because they're getting something that's worth a hundred dollars. And for you, the costs are minimal. You can work with a hundred nano influencers for $2,000 to $3,000 worth of product, give or take, and then plus your fees to kind of handle all the hassle.
1: Lots of different ways to work with influencers, depending on what type of brand you're running, determines who you should be working with. David, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us a little bit about the influencer marketing strategies.
2: It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to David Morneau, the co-founder of the InBeat Agency for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with David, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company's website, which is inbeat.agency. That's I-N-B-E-A-T dot agency. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests.